Richard Lloyd-Jones, and this is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. Most of us are pretty clueless about the occult history of mankind, to our detriment. Occult agendas have always been behind many of the momentous occurrences in history, from Columbus's journeys to find the New World to Hitler's drive for a Third Reich. Both saints and psychotics have been moved by esoteric knowledge that has never been mainstream, and this makes analysis of the field murky and prone to extremism and fanaticism. Some agents acting on this occult knowledge have been extremely well-intentioned. Columbus and numerous millinerists from various religious and political persuasions fall into that camp. Others from the modern New World Order camp, hmm, not so much. And deep within the conspiracy theories lies some truth. The machinations behind the scenes of history's events have remained obscured and hidden in secret meetings and occult intentions, and this is never revealed on the 6 o'clock news. But if you know what to look for, you'll see subliminal messages of this subterfuge everywhere. The Occult Olympics and the Reptilian Brain, today on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. We are streaming on the Stop Radio Network, along with Susan Berkeley's The Conscious Company, Gilbert Gambucci's Analyzing the 1%, and archived programs of Healing Through Consciousness, our trilogical analysis show, where we took calls and emails from listeners trying to work through issues in their lives and analyzing them through the interpretations of integral psychoanalyst Dr. Claudia bernhardt Pacheco. And by the way, anything you'd like us to look at for you, we can still do. Any issues, problems coming up in your life, just write to us, and we'll be happy to address it on the show. Jones at stop.org.br. My Stop Radio Network colleague, William Lajeunesse, has studied the infiltration of occult symbols in the corporate, political, and religious worlds for some years, so he's much more an expert than I. And I will do a show with him about this in the near future, as soon as I can get him back into the studio. <laughs> he's up to his neck in building Kepi Motors at our vital Kepi Motor factory in Kambukira, about 350 kilometers from Sao Paulo. So uh, wheels not so available these days for our radio programs. Cesar Sauce is there, too. And uh, these guys are turning out some remarkable handcrafted wooden Kepi Motor table fans that are selling like hotcakes. Well, where have you ever seen a wooden fan? Man, those typical fan motors heat up so much. Wooden fans with normal motors would be bursting into flames and self-combusting, just like the drummers in the heavy metal band Spinal Tap all those years ago. This Kepi motor is a cold-running fan motor because it's not constructed using the normal laws of physics. Instead, it's built on Kepi's disinverted physics. And, you know, this holds enormous promise for humankind to stop destroying nature and to change our technology from being extractive and destructive to being healing and contributive. It's a beautiful thing. And you can find more information on this great Kepi motor at kepimotor.com. When Will Lajeunesse talks to me about the occult symbols peeking out through corporate logos and institutions, it seems like an intelligent and wise version of the terribly distorted Robert Langdon character from Dan Brown's perverse book, The Da Vinci Code. Brown is one of those disinformation guys so loved by the shadowy sect societies, which I think is actually why he's so successful. Will has shown me the obvious symbols, like the eye on the pyramid 
on the U.S. $1 bill and the links this has with Freemasonry. And if you watch the Good Shepherd movie with Matt Damon and Robert De Niro, you'll see the links between the origins of the CIA and the Skull and Bones secret society from Yale. And if you want some really chilling evidence of the nefarious working behind the scenes, check out the wild Masonic and secret society symbols all throughout the Denver airport, a monument to Luciferian worship, some have called it. It's creepy stuff and open to lots of interpretation. And this is where it gets tricky, because some of this interpretation is very insightful. Some of it is paranoid and, frankly, dismissible. And this is what makes it so hard to get to the bottom of. Where's the truth amidst this blitzkrieg of data and homemade videos? But one fact remains. There is a lot of malfeasance being planned in these secret meetings of the Bilderbergers and the Bank for International Settlements, mostly behind closed doors. And as Kepi reminds us, we must always ask, if something is good, why the need to keep it secret? I saw a video of Hillary Clinton the other day, praising the I don't think the video was from the other day. I saw it the other day, praising the Council on Foreign Relations as being the group she turns to, to tell her what to do. God save us. Well, let us analyze this a little bit today, because it's a fascinating topic, and it will just sort of scratch the surface of it today, but give you some uh, idea of what's going on and then a trilogical analysis of it so we can see this in a, in a more complete way. The Occult Olympics and the Reptilian Brain. When we come back, I'm thinking with somebody else's head on the Stop Radio Network. Stay with us. You're listening to Stop Radio from the International Society of Analytical Trilogy in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Check out our website at www.stop.org.br. Stop Radio, a proud presentation of the International Society of Analytical Trilogy. This is Richard Lloyd-Jones. It's a globalized world today. Publish something on virtually any social network and it could go viral in minutes. This makes it very exciting for our Stop Radio network, of course, because now we're not limited to 50,000 watts and terrestrial radio coverage. Our programs are heard in more than 100 countries. If you're looking to reach customers, suppliers, even new employees more effectively, you need that global presence too. That means globalization services like internationalization, localization, interpretation, translation, cultural consulting, and multilingual development. All of that is what we do at Millennium Translations. We're a worldwide distributor of translation and localization services, and we work in a huge variety of languages. We're also part of the Millennium Group of Trilogical Enterprises. So check us out on the web, etranslate.com.br. Millennium Translations, we help you operate more effectively around the world. This is the Stop Radio Network. Broadcasting from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Back in 1986, Norberto Kepi wrote a book that predicted the worldwide economic crisis we're facing today. Liberation of the People critiques the pathology of power that lies at the base of our inverted social system and points the way out. This is essential reading for anyone wanting to find out how we got in such a mess and how we can get out. Liberation of the People. Available in print or downloadable versions now at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. 
You're listening to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. Our program is based on the science of analytical trilogy. If you're interested in learning more, you'll find information about books, TV shows, and any upcoming congresses or teleclasses on our site at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. Now, back to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head with Richard Lloyd-Jones and Dr. Claudia Bernhardt-Pacheco on the Stop Radio Network. Thinking with Somebody Else's Head is on the Stop Radio Network, streaming through iTunes and at www.stopradio.org. Check us out and let us know what you think at jones at stop.org.br. It's always good to hear from you. We love to know how you're responding. You know, our programs have been listened to in over a hundred countries worldwide, so that makes us a, a pretty formidable community. And I'd love you to stay connected with us. We're on Facebook. We're all over the place. So let us know what you're, you're thinking and uh, how you're reacting to what we do. I consider thinking with somebody else's head an alternative radio program. No surprise there for you if you've been listening for a while. And I consider it our job to try to raise consciousness about what's going on and then analyze it. But not just analyze it through opinion. No, we're analyzing it through the lens of the science of psychosociopathology elaborated by Brazilian psychoanalyst and social scientist Dr. Norberto Kepi. That means we're not just offering opinions, but analysis based on a consistent philosophical point of view that's been borne out and proven through practical scientific experimentation. That's a pretty potent combo. So when I heard about French psychiatrist and marketing guru Clotaire Rapai's visit to Brazil, I was pretty thrilled to learn that a friend of mine Flavia Pacheco, had been hired to be his translator. Rapai is a pretty well-known guy in branding circles, and his theories have influenced the marketing of many industries as diverse as automotive, luxury goods, airplanes. He believes we make decisions from the most primitive parts of our brains, called the reptilian brain. If that chills you a little, you will enjoy Flavia Pacheco's observations from the front lines. Flavia, let's let's talk about your experience with the reptilian brain guy. <laughs> Walk us through your meeting with him as you were preparing to translate for him here in Brazil. Well, I arrived a few min- minutes before uh, the lecture. I usually do this to get to know the people who I'm going to be working with. He was doing what, like a three-hour lecture? What was yeah, it, well, it was more like a, a two-hour Okay plenary session. Yeah. Uh, it was the closing of a very important workshop in Brazil, Fena Bravi, which is the affair where people get together to talk about um, selling cars and manufacturing cars, the automobile industry, and where mm-hmm. is it going. And yeah. um, and he said, I didn't have any anything um, from him. I didn't get a PowerPoint presentation, nothing. I didn't know what he was going to talk about. I was extremely curious. Uh, I went to talk to him and I spoke initially with his assistant who then uh, introduced me to him. He was extremely, um, friendly. However, um, from the start, I noticed it was something really odd about this man. He really kind of stood out from the crowd. He had this uh, silk red tie, and his hair was long and 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 blonde. And he, he was the kind of person that you couldn't really tell how old he was. 
Then he said to me he was going to talk about things that were very provocative and that were things that were kind of strange at first, but that he was going to bring the message of the reptilian brain. I was a little shocked, and I said, excuse me, I didn't think I had understood well. And he said, no, I mean reptilian. This is exactly from reptile, and I want you to be, uh, when you translate, I want you to translate literally. The, you know, immediately I was thinking, oh, my God, David Icke was right. That was my first thought. I don't know. If I, yeah, David Icke is, uh, uh, is the conspiracy theorist guy who's talked a lot about the reptilians among us, you know, saying that there are, are human beings who have uh, had sex with these reptilian creatures, and they're like hybrid beings on our planet. Right. You hear something like that, and you never think it's true. You think it's fiction, right? But when he said that, I said, oh, my God, could David Icke be right? I then f started to read a material he gave me um, where it described his theories and the way he was thinking, and basically he proposed this theory. He spoke about three types of brains, uh, the cortex which basically is responsible for the rational part. Logic and reason. Logic, and, and not only, like, he, he mentioned the lies that we tell ourselves, the sort of the BSs in the cortex. An alibi. He calls them the alibis. Yeah, the so alibis. The alibis are. For, right. Then, that, then, that cover up the real reason we do things. Exactly, that nobody really knows why we do things. Uh, then the limbic brain, which would be the emotional brain that really has to do with your relationship to your mother during the nine months that you are in the womb. And the third kind of brain, which is the reptilian brain, that is the brain that always wins. And he, he re repeated that, I think, about five to six times during his presentation. The reptilian brain always wins. Now, his, his, the basis of this is a, an evolutionary view. So we, of course, in this program have talked a lot about how evolution is a very, very inverted, a completely wrong scientific idea. So he, he comes from that point of view, but we won't, don't need to get into critiquing that at the moment. But uh, it's very interesting to think about um, w how he uses this idea of the reptilian brain. He's using this to help people in their marketing, right? Exactly. He's he's selling this to corporations. He's a, he's a consultant. So he sells this as as a tool for a lot of money. For right. exactly, for people to quote unquote manipulate um their their clients into buying something with the with let's say the this pretext Right, that you're not really buying the product, but you're buying uh, uh, what he called the potential new identity, or archetype, which right? archetype, which would be based on on the wishes of the reptile. So it's like our essence is reptilian, and everything else that comes after that matters very little in the process of sales and, and the bond between corporations right. and clients. And the reptilian brain is interested in two things, survival and continuing the species. That's it. So you're, what, what, what he's trying to get people to do is to make decisions, marketing decisions, based on these fundamental 
urges to survive and procreate. Exactly. And it makes me think immediately because I work with the media and I'm a, a sort of into the communication business. I also, I, it makes me think, wow, okay, that I, all, most commercials work according to these basic principles. That's why they're so effective sometimes. But what that does to our self-esteem is we don't notice at first, but if we think of us essentially as reptiles, as animals, you know, then then we're only moved by is really basic instinctive yeah. behavior. One of, one of the areas he did a lot of work in was the area of the automobile industry. So this is one of his specialties. He did a lot of work with. Uh, SUVs in the United States. And from what I'm, I can understand, the little bit of research I've done on him, he would do things like he would go to the car manufacturer and say, look, for the reptilian brain, the SUV is appealing because it's powerful, it's has the image of being secure, it has this sense of uh, being above everybody else, being able to see and control. This to the reptilian brain is extremely attractive. Even though, in practice, the SUV is more accident-prone, it can, it can roll much easier. Uh, that's the, uh, what did you say, the uh, cortex that right. does that reasoning. But the reptilian brain says, no, I want an SUV. So he was saying to people, look, you want the SUV as big, as gas-guzzling, with darkened windows. He said, in fact, if you could put a machine gun turret on the top, you'd sell more of them because of this kind of mentality. Yes, Strange, exactly. Right? He's like preparing the world to sell for this uh, reptilian identity. But what's strange about it, that there is absolutely zero concern with the ethical responsibility and and what's frightening is that it's really blunt, really open. And he talks about a bond between the brand and the client. And he even said the bond that that I have with the with the Masons, as if each dealer had would turn his dealer shop into a masonry <laughs> store. Having rituals with clients, <laughs> sacrificing them. <laughs> As you were watching this guy, watching him in the presentation and uh, observing his reactions with the people and stuff, we'll go to your limbic brain. What was the feeling you had? What was the uh, experience you had sort of viscerally, emotionally watching him? Well, it was very funny that you asked that, Richard, because I really thought that was something. Initially, I thought there was something wrong with me because I was feeling very uncomfortable. And I kept on looking at the audience to see if others were feeling as uncomfortable as I was. And as I looked around, I noticed that people weren't. weren't. They were laughing. They were having a good time. They were like hypnotized by this great entertainer. But what made me really concerned was that this figure that I was looking at, uh, he, he seemed to be physically strange. Uh, second, the things that he was saying, although in certain situations may be true, were not things to laugh about, were not things to be proud of. 
Let's put it that way. Were things that you would be usually ashamed to talk about and that we usually say, okay, there's, the, you know, there's the less human part of us is, is doing this. The part that we need to change, the part that we need to conscientize. He's basically saying that is your essence. He's basically introducing that sort of dark, unconscious, not so nice part of the human race as the real, actual, embraceable reality. You know, I think that trilogy, for example, is the opposite because in trilogy, we see the essence of the human being as being connected to the most divine uh, aspects of reality. Uh, So essentially, we are divine. Essentially, we are beautiful. Essentially, we are good and truthful. And that is such a boost for you to your self-esteem. You feel, you know, emotionally good. You you know, it really makes you feel like, oh, I want to do better. I want to be a better human being. But when you hear things like you are a reptile, and that's what really matters, then then you need so many things to to make you happy then you need to buy because if you are you know unprotected if you are essentially not a good person if you are essentially not uh, you know rational not logical not ethical then you need other things to be produced so that you can survive in the world today sure. and also if we think about uh, his approach that this uh, reptilian brain, re- reptilian part of ourselves, is natural. And Dr. Kepi has a completely different perspective on this, that this reptilian part of us is pathological. Right. It's the destruction of the nature of who we are, not exactly. the nature of who we are. So if we're stimulating this kind of reptilian brain, we are stimulating pathology, war, torture. We're stimulating that aspect of social life, too. And this is very dangerous. Yeah, it's like we're we're embracing and saying yes to all of the things that we've been trying to overcome and during the last, you know, two or three centuries of our history. Is it now acceptable to be unethical? Is it now beautiful and and wonderful um to be to have absolutely no ethical or moral standards when you're dealing with your with your client. The idea is satisfy the client's wishes, period. That's all. There is absolutely no ethical structure to this. It seems very dangerous sure. to embrace something like this. Especially if we have a pathological world, we're then stimulating pathology and rewarding the pathological aspect of ourselves. And we will never develop as a species if we do that. We're going to continue to be this primitive planet here in 2012 that kills and tortures people and sells children into sex slavery and sells organs around the world that are stolen illegally from Chinese prisoners. We're going to continue to to do this kind of thing, put more and more of our citizens in jail, kill more and more people with vaccines and drugs and war and torture. Is this the world that we want to live in, this reptilian world? And uh, if we do, then we're, th- we're giving weight to the fact that the reptilian world is the real world. And it's not, according to our science here. Yeah. 
It's like going back to Roman times of a Sodom and Gomorrah, where where everything was allowed and you didn't have to have any awareness or consciousness of your actions in the world. You work a lot in media. I work a lot in media. What's what's the role of with Dr. Kepi's science? How can we sort of offer an antidote here? Because I think media. it's exactly the opposite to enhance the good essence of human being, to show in the media examples of other people who are doing good things, who believe in good things. There are a lot of people working with spirituality over material uh, um, values. A lot of people today are ready to embrace a more spiritual life in a material world, and that is possible. It seems to me that with this reptilian marketing, we're going backwards instead of forwards. You know, so, okay, this is the message for 2012? Why are people responding to this? Because they want to go ahead and make money. But if you think of the great uh, movements in history in terms of uh, um, development of human capacity... We would then start to consider people like Jesus, obviously, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. These are not people that appealed to the reptilian part of us. They appealed to this part you're talking about, this this natural essence, this more divine part of us, which is the true essence of the human being. So he's completely wrong scientifically. We are not principally reptiles coming from the primal ooze over billions of years. And so this basic idea he has is uh, continuing a very, very perverse scientific... Very perverse. I think the media and the manufacturers, everybody should be concerned about making products that are safer to humanity, that make sense uh, uh, in the planet version, the universal view. That are sustainable. That are sustainable. You know, and and then selling this and not selling the egocentric, narcissistic, uh, most pathological impulse inside of us, but selling what's more noble, what's really valuable. We should really make an effort because you know what, Richard, we've tried everything else and it didn't work. So why not try to be simply good? An excellent question. But it's not so easy to be good, as we'll explore in just a moment when thinking with somebody else's head continues. Claudia Bernhard Prosheko joins us in just a moment. We're back. Don't go away. Home to thinking with somebody else's head, healing through consciousness, analyzing the 1%, and the conscious company. This is the Stop Radio Network. Learn the truth about energy and matter. Dr. Kepi's revolutionary book, The New Physics, is available in the bookstore at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. You know, there are many ways to dig deeper into the themes we discuss in our Stop Radio Network programs. There are books and TV and radio programs, conferences, teleclasses. But what about this one, learning a language? That's kind of wild, isn't it? Millennium Language School in Sao Paulo, where I teach, incidentally, offers eight language courses using Roberto Kepi's psycholinguistic method. Yeah, we use his vast literature and scientific findings to make it easier for anyone to learn a language. It'd be a great time to tackle Portuguese, actually, with Brazil quickly becoming a prime world destination. And you can learn online from wherever you are. So drop us a line if you'd like to learn more. Jones at stop.org.br. Millennium Language Schools. 
We're teaching life in eight languages. You're listening to the Stop Radio Network from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Our programs are based on the landmark science of Dr. Norberto Kepi, and there are many exciting applications of his work occurring in Brazil and numerous other locations around the world. This includes language classes, translation services, psychology sessions by phone or Skype, and the new energy solutions proposed by the Kepi Motor. Kepi's expansive science is outlined in his many books and TV programs, all available through our site at stop.org.br. Now, back to thinking with somebody else's head on the Stop Radio Network. Our program is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. And um, I'm just back from Canada. And, uh, Claudia, I'm really anxious to see if you have any. Well, good morning. By, good, good morning, morning. by the way. <laughs> good morning, <laughs> dear Jones. R- good a, morning, dear listeners. Yes. I'm running like a thousand miles a minute here. I really wanted to get some impressions from you about the Olympic ceremonies. And I, I don't want to uh, sort of dive into that. I know it's the, the sort of... All the occult and Masonic mm. symbols throughout the opening and closing ceremonies. This is clear. And um, uh, I, I don't want to do this to shock, right? Mm-hmm. But to try to bring consciousness. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I was working, when I was talking about this in a class recently, I was taking one of Dr. Kippy's chapters from his book, Trilogical Metaphysics 3. Oh, this is a... Uh, this is a bomb. <laughs> this is a bomb. But in here, he says something so wise that I thought this could maybe provide the foundation for what we're going to talk about first. He talked. He, he's making a comparison between Freud's discovery mm-hmm. that the human being become sick because of what he hides from consciousness. Mm-hmm. And and then Kepi was making the analogy that a society becomes sick from the things it hides from consciousness. And one of the things that's hidden from consciousness is these secret societies, these groups that are hidden away doing things in the nefarious background mm-hmm. that are affecting the experience we have today. So I wanted to make that kind of context first before we launched in. And I really want to get your, your impressions uh, from what you watched, mm-hmm. the Olympic opening and closing ceremonies, how you could see that, how we could scientifically analyze that to bring people some consciousness about what's going on. Well, everybody knows that there are some secret societies leading the planet. Some of them are with them, and some of them are against them. So we have even Christian secret societies. We have Masonic secret societies. We have the Illuminati Club. We have many, and we know they are there. We have political secret societies. The thing is that when we deal with these things, we deal more in the sense that we are analyzing the f- philosophical and psychological, psychopathological aspects of each doctrine. And I see that th- there are many people that are mistaken when they follow some doctrines that seem to be very powerful, and they are powerful, but they are also creating troubles for the followers for society for mankind. So, what what am I going to speak here today? I'm going to uh, talk to you about this triangle that they use a lot, Richard. Which was everywhere in the lighting and, system, and also the eye. And yeah, the 
the all-seeing mm. eye, the, and the triangle, which are symbols yeah. of these uh, societies. We know that the Vatican used to use in their church and its churches a triangle symbolizing the the Holy Trinity, and with a big eye inside as the all-seeing, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, present, omnipresent, yeah. a God. And we know that there are some groups that understand that this triangle symbolizes like something a little bit different and having the giving a big importance to the to this thing that they use compass compass as representing the universal architect which some people understand is God and some other people understand is Lucifer. So they, there are many people that are really mistaken about all this philosophy and this theological things. And sure. there are many good, like good people, good willing people that are trying to follow something um, ethical or some, or even something practical for humanity. Um. This triangle, one, one, one day in Portugal, we were speaking to the president of Portugal, Mario Soares. And we know that since Portugal was founded in the early 12th century, or the 12th century, he, it was founded by the Templars. And some people say the masonry, or the masons, are children or grand-grand-grandchildren yes, of, of those Templars. Yeah. And, and this seems to be true. There are many groups today that follow some principles from the Templars. And this triangle that some Masons follow is mostly based on the Anglo-Saxon masonry, the Scottish uh, masonry is the Scottish Lodge and some of those French also Lodge and, and some Lodges, Mason Lodges, they followed the Scottish um, the Scottish ritual and the Scottish philosophy. But what we see, which is very, very, very important linked to this philosophy of the, their triangle, is that they put in this triangle like human beings and reality, and mostly human beings, following this triangle being um, feeling in one corner, well, like uh, in the base. The, bo the bottom base corner, the left-hand base, we could say. Feeling. Triangle, yeah, feeling. And then reason. Reason on the, other, on the, on the, on the horizontal uh, opposite, yes, mm -hmm. pole. And on the top, will. The will. The will. So, for the Masons, the will is absolutely, extremely important. The Scottish theologian, Duns Scott, he brought a, a, an idea that human beings, the essence of human beings, he was a philosopher besides being a monk, a uh, Christian monk. He thought that the essence of human beings was the will so, voluntarism. Yeah, this uh, the willfulness. 
É, é uma teoria da filosofia. This yeah. is a philosophical theory. Yeah. Vol Voluntarismo. Right. Yeah. So it was almost created by Dan Scott. And it has been followed by many, many other philosophers by centuries. So this idea of having the will on the top and like mandatory uh, philosophy, you have to do what your guts want and what rules humanity is the will, the strength of the will, the power of the will. So this is one concept which is very powerful. And this led Freud himself to create the, his theory is psychoanalytical theory, that all the energy and everything of the human psychic came from unconscious desires, like a source, energetic source, which was unconscious and was always ever creating desires, wishes, that for some social and moral reasons of society, the way society was organized, was not, they were, people were not able to accomplish these desires. And as those desires and the, these wishes could not be accomplished, people got neurotic or psychotic. So since Freud, this will theory, desires to be, should be fulfilled in order to be healthy and have a healthy society. Well, it's pretty dominant in our society even today, this uh, idea, isn't and it? And you see his nephew, Bernet, creating the consum consumerism yeah. theory in the United States in order to be special. So companies, corporations, they started to use and manipulate the unconscious wishes and will and the will of the people. Okay. So people say, I don't know why, if I can... But I want. And wanting became a rule in our society. So people get bankrupt because they fulfill their wishes. People get crazy because they fulfill, they fulfill their wishes. And no matter what they desire and their will, um, like if, if you want to kill something, just kill them. If you want whatever, you just do it. If you want to become a pedophile, you just do it. It's a it's a desire. It's a, a it's a pleasure. So, you see how much evil this idea brought. And it was a monk, a Christian monk, that started this thing in 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 philosophy, Western philosophy, yes. because this was far behind in Egyptian scriptures. Yeah. This thing of the will. You mentioned Edward Bernays. I just want to say that name in case people listening want to do more research on that. The father of public relations and Freud's nephew instituted really uh, this psychological, philosophical principle inside our practical day-to-day -day life when he created public relations and this whole idea that we need to consume and consume. And consume, consume and he fed, tremendously fed sensorialism and materialism and consumerism and spending what you what you cannot spend and spending and spending and and devouring now the, 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 the planet this idea of the will would be fine if our will was not inverted right I mean. yes so now you got to directly because we we are short in the time so thank you richard for reminding me our time is is tight is today. short yeah. so we went then to Kepi's theory we were talking to Mario Soares, the president, and he is a Templar. He's a Mason. 
and every president in, in, in Portugal and every king and every president or every first minister must be a Templar. Yeah. So this for centuries. The, the and they follow this the thing. So Knights his triangle is having the will on the top. Now, and all Masons have this. Now, what Kepi says. Kepi says that according to his researches, everything in man is okay. His intelligence, his feeling, the true feeling of love, um, reason, But, but as this guy that speaks about reptilian, Rapaye. Clotaire Rapaye. Rapaye. Yeah. He says that our reptilian brain is what lead, leads everything in all the sales. So he's right because it's pathological and it has been pathological. So uh, people do things out of their instincts of the reptilian kind of brain, as he calls it. Primitive. Primitive. So, uh, Cappy noticed that reason is not followed, feeling of love is not followed, because we have an inverted will. So we are upside down. We have a trouble. We have a troubled will. We have a, an abnormal will. We have a, a, an upside down will that wishes many, many, many things and many times things that are not the best for us or for the planet. So the will is almost against ethics. So Kepi puts in this, in this triangle on the top, statics and ethics, or consciousness, or good action. He, he puts ethics and the good action and, and beauty and harmony on the top. In the place of the will. In the place of the will. So if the will is against ethics, is not a true will. The true will of man which is not still sick, is accord, it's, it's in accordance to ethics, to reason, to love. It's not against. When it's against, it's sick, it's abnormal. And people should, should know that. That's why people get drug addict, alcoholic, uh, smoking habits they can't get rid of, and sexual um, perversions, perversions yeah. and, and because, and they eat too much, they get, they get obese because sure. they People want, they want because they have an inverted will. So there is a, a song here in Brazil. Everything that I like is a sin or it makes me fat. Makes me fat. <laughs> It's a song. <laughs> This is our idea, generally speaking. So, yes, but because we have this upside-down idea, and if we try to suppress, to control this inverted will, and do what our reason and our common sense and feelings of love show we should do, and according to ethics and beauty, then we should go ahead yeah, the, and do it. The correct triangle will then and be do in, it, in play. And do it. Yeah. Really do it. Now, so if we don't correct this triangle, humanity will have not so much time to survive. We'll have a dead, like we are in a dead end situation. With this tr wrong triangle, we have to correct it. So I invite all the Masons to think and to reflect about this. I invite the Illuminati to think about this because they are upside down and they have a, a pathological kind of reasoning. 
And this is something universal. Yeah, because they're, they're causing not only the destruction of everything, but the destruction of their own essence and yes. their, their, their own selves. So. Yes, yes, that's right. Disinverting the inverted Masonic triangle. How's that for a proposal? Might help get these secret societies on the side of the mass of humanity instead of working against us as they do now. But how important it is for each of us to understand our will a little more and try to control ourselves from doing whatever we want, since that's the path that leads to destruction. The exploration of the inverted wheel is unique to Kepi's work and is a tremendous addition to our collective philosophical wisdom. I encourage you to explore more at HealingThroughConsciousness.com. Thinking with Somebody Else's Head, a production of the International Society of Analytical Trilogy. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones.